0: You're listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the bet rivers network. It is the Danny Mac podcast on the bet rivers network. Thanks for giving me some time today. Glad you're here as winter has returned, at least for a few days in the Midwest. No worries. Uh, For those of you who got out to golf, I'm completely envious of you and congratulations. I hope your first round or two of the year produced enormous satisfaction Uh, As I know, mine will once I get to it. It's not going to be this week the way it's looking early on. And I have trees that need pruning and all kinds of spring activities. But, hey, I ain't bitching because I loved how nice it was these last few days. And at least I got a chance to get outside and get some sunshine, get the boat out of storage for the year. Many good things ahead. And there's nothing that's going to preclude me from going to swat a few nine irons this week. Uh, I'll be able to bundle up even later today and go see how much progress I've made with nerve regeneration on the right side of my body after a failed brachial plexus nerve network uh, back in late October of 2021. But in score parlance, that's not why you called. You didn't check in on me to get a health update by any stretch you're here because... For some weird reason, you think my takes on sports, my opinions, I hate the word take, never cared for this new language, but my opinions on sports over the years have mattered enough for you to check in from time to time, and I do appreciate that, and I appreciate if you tell a friend about the Danny Mac Podcast, which drops traditionally, historically, uh, on Bet Rivers uh, shortly before lunch on Mondays, and then uh, depending on where you are, uh, lunch could be radically different if you're listening in Italy. Uh, and I know people who are listening in Italy this week, believe it or not. Uh, but in, we do it again on Thursdays usually. We waited a day last week because of Jonathan Taves playing his last game in a Blackhawks uniform. So if you were wondering where I was Thursday, it was there for you Friday if you wanted it. He played his last game with the Hawks. On Thursday night against the Flyers, and that led to a uh, you know a, a fun introspective um, for me because I was a part of a part of it in terms of the media machine covering the Hawks during Taves' glory era with the Blackhawks, those three cups of 2010, 2013, and 2015. So that was fun. But I've got some baseball for you today and inching our way closer to the NFL draft. Now just 11 days away until we can wake up and salute Tom Michaels, the fictional general manager of the Seattle Seahawks, from the movie Draft Day and have some pancakes. Just sitting here having my pancakes, thinking about moving the number one. Well, the Bears already did that. They did it a few weeks ago, so they're sitting at the nine pick, and we inch our way closer to the draft with more expectation about whether the Bears are going to go with a defense-changing, game-changing pass rusher, or if they're going to find a, a bedrock on the offensive line. These are discussions we're going to be hearing about and engaging in for the next 10 days, and we will until the Bears go to training camp and then see what Matt Eberflus has in year number two. It's been a rare dead pocket for the NFL. Other than Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Ravens last week, there has been very, very little NFL news of substance of late. Continued speculation only on the future of Aaron Rodgers and everything else is just blather. It's just coaches in new spots, quarterbacks with new teams, And all it is, is talk at this point. Now you might say, Hey Mac, what, what, what changes, you know, because we're nearing the draft and there haven't been free agents. It's always just talk. Yes, but there's activity. There's, there's the combine, there's free agency. There are trades. There have been all of these things that result in products changing. So it is more than talk because the teams are radically different than they were when we last saw them. And not just the teams that didn't participate in the playoffs, even Super Bowl teams have uh, have crazy changes in front of them. So we'll continue to talk about that. But baseball is center stage because that's all we have going in Chicago right now. The Bulls and Blackhawks don't participate in their teams, their leagues, playoff tournaments these days. The Bulls getting bounced and not even getting a chance to make the play in round, uh which is absolutely <laughs> asinine in my opinion. I still cannot get used to that new language in the NBA. A play-in game for the NBA oh, keep it keep it keep it keep it but we don't have to worry about that because there's no postseason Bulls there's no postseason hockey And there's for the Hawks anyway, and there won't be any for the Cubs or the White Sox. It doesn't appear either. Can you write a team off after 16 games into the regular season? Let me try to do that for you today. Let me try to tell you why. If you're a White Sox fan, you're absolutely wasting your money and your energy. Unless you don't mind the torture, if it doesn't affect your disposition, because that's when it becomes no different than an addictive behavior. Uh, something you put toxins in your body, and then this irritability follows the next day, and you've wasted money. And whether it's gambling or substances, and your behavior changes. If you don't like spending the money going to White Sox games, I don't freaking blame you. It's crazy expensive to go to ball games these days, especially if you're making a long-term commitment. And I, there are guys who are like me who don't want to participate in a paperless world and don't go because of that. You know, that's fine. Stay away. You're saving your money and you're not spending on a product that's goddamn lousy again this year. And I'm going to give Pedro Graffal the benefit of the doubt because he has a horseshit bullpen and you can give any manager in big league history. I don't care if it's recent greats like La Russa or Girardi or going back to Connie Mack or Casey Stengel. You, it doesn't matter if you have a bad bullpen. They are going to be bad managers. And what is Grafal to do? Well, what's this guy to do with this relief corps? This bullpen is horrible. They can't find the strike zone to save their lives. They walked 26 Orioles, the Sox staff, not just the bullpen, but their staff over the weekend – Against Baltimore walked 26 batters, only one of them an intentional walk. They are among the league's worst in walks allowed, in on-base percentage allowed, in opposing batting average, in whip. They're terrible, and there's really no reason to hold out much hope. It's going to get better anytime soon. It'll be near all-star break. When you get your closer back, if in fact you get him back and how ready he's going to be after recovering from surgery, and I'm talking about Liam Hendricks, I, I just don't think they have enough talent in that on that staff as they are constructed today to be much better than they are. When your whip... Walks and hits per innings pitched is 1.70 or 1.66. Right there with Oakland, among the worst in baseball. And their batting average against as a staff is 270. Whoa, that's bad. They're getting lit up. Their earn-run average is third worst in Major League Baseball. 5.75 or some shit like that? Goodness. You are not going to – this is not good. If you don't have Dylan Cease, and he wasn't real good yesterday either, if, if Cease and what you've seen so far from Mike Clevenger, okay. But, man, oh, man. And it's it's again with the injuries. It's the same Sox frustration you saw under Tony La Russa. It's And I've seen fans going after Grafal. Look. What's the man to do? This is the roster they gave him. This is a bad bullpen. You you can't just flip a switch and turn a team around. If if nobody can get guys out and they can't find the strike zone, it's and you can have fun with it if you want. See, that's that's what I do. You just you, you've you've invested the money. If you're a Sox fan and you still enjoy the ballpark experience, go and root for Jake Berger's next home run. And it was good to see that his wife and baby made it to the ballpark for the for the most recent one. And and Gavin Sheets, boy, did he hit a colossal three run homer! The White Sox. Hopefully, if you went Sunday, you got to the ballpark on time for that first inning because it was all downhill once uh, <laughs> once the White Sox went down in the first after scoring four runs. Sheets with a three run bomb, and then Berger goes opposite field. And uh, new daddy strength is the White Sox are chirping on social media. And then the, uh, the floodgates opened and Orioles ran around the bases again all day. And the White Sox again failed to win a series. Still looking for that first two-game winning streak of the year and still looking for that first series win of the year. Philadelphia comes in town tonight like the White Sox. The Phillies are six and ten, and uh, I just I, I don't have an investment in it. I won't go to the ballpark unless my son wants to go on a cheap Tuesday night, which is the, the deal this year. And I'll, I'll fight figuring out how to pay for everything on my damn telephone for one night. But I ain't going otherwise. And I can giggle about it because I was full after zero 5 And if that makes me a bad White Sox fan, so be it. I don't really give a damn. I, uh, I, I have other needs in my life than sitting in front of 162 baseball games a year or even half that many if the product sucks. I don't have time for it. And I know a lot of you have come to feel the same way, and that's part of the reason baseball is the number three sport in America right now. It's just people want to be on to things more quickly. Summers, Summers are valuable. The older we get, the more valuable our time becomes, and the less time we want to commit to a lousy product. And that's what the Sox have right now. They have a team, potentially very explosive offensively. Some when healthy, uh, they'll score runs. It's still worth seeing Luis Robert take major league at bats when Yoan Moncada comes back. You know, and he's healthy. He started real strong. He's a decent ball player, but and you've got the young sticks. But uh it's a softball team lineup. It's Southside Hitman of 77 all over again. It's it's winning ugly with Luzinski and Fisk and Kittle. It's just a bunch of big guys, hairy chested sluggers who are either gonna beat you eight to four or you're gonna lose eight to four when your pitching staff holds them to four. Like I said earlier, an earned run average of five point seven-ish right now. Just dreadful just terrible and i don't see any reason why it can get decidedly better i'm I'm not holding out much optimism for that there are a few things today we can acknowledge that our first times in baseball history um i i, I failed to mention the cubs and nice cubs weekend uh you can win a one-run game how about that on sunday how about that uh beating the dodgers three to two and winning two out of three against the dodgers the cubs um, you know, and I don't know how long you ride Patrick Wisdom and how long Dansby Swanson, the new shortstop, is gonna play like he's uh he's the best player in the league's history at his position. But man, it's been a fun start for the Cubs. I pay attention very peripherally, but I, I enjoy seeing Cubs fans who are you know committed to this rebuild and enjoying their team's early success. Hell will come to breakfast before too long, and they're not going to be playing meaningful games, I don't suspect, in September, but who cares? For right now, savor the moment, and then make your tea times for down the road because you know what this is. This is a rebuild, and it's not, it's not time yet for this Cubs team. They have one starting pitcher, Marcus Stroman. A few things that uh, happened for the first time ever on this day and we used to do a bit on the Mac Yurko and Harry show called the first time we would play the uh, the song from Foreigners first album feels like the first time feels like the very first time when something happened for the very first time and it is a day of celebration today and you probably noticed if you watched any baseball Saturday it was Jackie Robinson day in Major League Baseball, and every player was wearing jersey number 42, as they do every year on the 15th of April. And it was uh, on this day, today, April 17, when Jackie Robinson notched his first big league hit in 1947. It was a bunt single for the Dodgers. And as Robinson celebrated, breaking baseball's racial barrier and becoming the first African American player to star in his craft. And you know, the story of Jackie Robinson, if you paid any attention to baseball history and, uh, or, or American sports history and him being the first and all that he went through in, in having a, participating in a world that was reserved for white men, frankly, and and that included when they went on the hotel on the road and stayed in hotels and ate in restaurants it was a very difficult time for guys like Jackie Robinson and that's why it was so offensive years later when Frank Thomas made a comment like I don't want to hear about what happened in 1947 this is a difference. he had no respect for it and some of that was taken out of context but Thomas still even as a young player should have been more mindful of how those comments were going to be perceived and it was it was not a good thing for Frank, one of many PR beatings he took when he was a player with the White Sox. But there's a story about Jackie Robinson's brother, Matthew, that has not been told very often. And it one, frankly, I was unaware of until a couple of years ago. And I went and looked it up because I was wondering if it was just Hollywood movie, the story. Of Molly Bloom, who was played by Jessica Chastain in the film Molly's Game, which is a it's based loosely on the story of Molly Bloom, who was an Olympic hopeful skier, but suffered a terrible injury and fin- did not qualify, finished outside of qualifying for the Olympics. And then she moved to Los Angeles and she started working as a cocktail waitress and wound up working her way into the world of, of underground poker games and was, was a hostess at some of the most famous poker games in Hollywood at the time with movie producers and professional athletes and Titans of industry. And she winds up taking the game Away from the guy she had worked with, who was played by Jeremy Strong, a terrific actor. You probably know from Succession or uh, or or maybe the movie The Big Short, which it was an Oscar nom in 2015. But Jessica Chastain takes the way, takes the game away from Strong, runs her own game and then winds up working in New York. Well, she tells the story, the beginning of the movie, about what is the most unsatisfying, what is the most heartbreaking moment in sports history. Is it losing a Game 7? Is it being swept in straight sets in the playoffs? What What is it in sports that is most heartbreaking? And for her, it would be not qualifying for the Olympics or somebody who finishes just out of the money, just out of the winner's circle. And she tells the story of Jesse Owens in Berlin in 1936. I believe the 36 Olympics when he was not the only American runner who broke the, the 100 meters record, 100 yards at the time, likely, uh, He had a teammate, Matthew Robinson, who also broke the record, but he finished three-tenths of a second behind Jesse Owens. Matthew Robinson was the older brother of Jackie Roosevelt Robinson. But because Jesse Owens did what he did, shattering the world record, nothing became of Matthew Robinson. He wound up up as a janitor in an all-white school. In Palo Alto, California, Jesse Owens wound up an American hero and on a stamp, but, uh, Matthew Robinson wound up working at an all white school as a custodian because he was just on the outside. He just missed that record. So Jessica Chastain's character, Molly Bloom gives a big middle finger to anybody who think, thinks it's, uh, losing a game seven and, and, and not getting, um, everything you wanted when you come just uh, when you finish just outside the money in an Olympic event, whether you failed to qualify or you finish second to a world record holder holder. That's what is most heartbreaking. And I thought it was a a point that was definitely worth making in that film. And probably another movie that ought to be made is the story of Matthew Robinson. So Jackie Robinson's first big league hit, a bunt single on this day in 1947, Mickey Mantle also recorded his first hit in his uh, Hall of Fame career on this day. It was in April of 51, Mantle's first big league game with the Yankees. He went one for four. It is the anniversary of the first no-hitter in Montreal Expos history. 1969, the Expansion Expos get their first of two career no-hitters from right-hander Bill Stoneman who was born in Oak Park, Illinois, but did not grow up in Chicagoland. He and his family moved to Idaho, and he pitched in the big leagues for a number of years, Uh, I think nine or ten big league seasons, but he also uh, threw the first uh, no-hitter in Canada. He no-hit the Phillies on this day in 69, and then uh, had his no – that was at Philadelphia uh, at Connie Mack Stadium, I believe – and then uh, at Olympic Stadium or Jerry Park, it would have been at the time in in seventy two. A few years later, the first on Canadian soil. So those are first times we can uh, we can appreciate today. And I'm going to play golf for the first time today, uh, for the first time this year today. Even though, as I mentioned, it's just going to be a nice little. Nine-iron session, nothing too crazy. Just try to slap the ball in a forward direction at a rapid pace. That's what golf is. And let me give you some advice. For those of you who struggle to find peace in your game, man, lower the standard. If you're one of those guys who has to shoot 90 or below, then get yourself some regular lessons and work on your grip instead of just going out and thinking you can do it all on your own just because you play a lot, because imperfect play does not make perfection on a scorecard. If you really want to score better, then you need to be coached at it and you need to work at it. It doesn't just happen by playing three or four rounds a week. I don't need a goddamn scorecard to enjoy my time on a golf course and you shouldn't either. It's yes. It's nice to score. Well, it's nice to make birdies every now and again and make six or eight pars in a round. I would love to do that, but I can't anymore. I don't hit the ball as far as I used to take a food that, comforts you take some chocolate if you have to on a golf course take a cigar take a little ganja if that's your case have a vodka if that relaxes you a little bit but for crying out loud recognize what it is it's not your day job it's supposed to be a relaxing activity and i get so frustrated by people who just can't can't have fun in a golf course and, you know and just can't relax You know, relax. It doesn't mean anything, really. And don't gamble more than you can afford to lose, whether it's on the golf course or if you're betting the first round of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. I like Boston tonight, by the way. I'm rooting for the Bruins. I've decided if not the Rangers, root for the Bruins. I have a friend, Judd Surratt, who was my first executive producer, who now has been the voice of the Bruins for some time. I would love to see Judd call a Stanley Cup championship for the Bruins. They got there a few years ago, came up short. Love to see that for Judd. And, of course, love to see Patrick Kane and the Rangers win. I have no problem with that. Rangers, great fan base. They haven't won in some time. Uh, 94, I think, under Mike Keenan was their last Cup uh, title team. They got blitzed by the Kings pretty convincingly in 2014 after the Kings and Blackhawks went the full seven the last time before the cup against Tampa when the Blackhawks had a caliber, a cup caliber championship team. But good luck to the Bruins. Hey, thanks for listening. I know a little bit all over the map today, but I wanted to get you some Sox thoughts here and get you past any golf anxieties you may have because it's just not worth it for crying out loud. Adam Delavitt is baby Capone. He's the man who makes it all happen for all of the Bet Rivers podcasts, whether it's Mike Missinelli in Philly or uh, Mike Francesa at New York, me in Chicago. Thank you, Dell, for this opportunity. Uh, Sam Michael is the executive producer of the Danny Mac Podcast. Unless there's anything that really is, is urgent breaking news that I got to get in on, I'll talk with you next on Thursday. Have a good week. Try not to be blue over the bad weather. It's early April for, well, it's April 17th, but man, we had a great week last week. Couple of days of record highs, more good weather ahead. And more average golf ahead for all of us. Let's get our arms around that and give it a nice, big, sloppy hug, okay? Because that's what it deserves. Have a great few days. I'm Dan McNeil. So long. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.